Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Solomon shares his path from Ethiopia to the D.C. area when he was just six years old. Learn how his path was shaped at UVA to consider finance and how his internship at J.P. Morgan in sales and trading pushed him to consider banking instead. Listen how he shares some great advice on brand name and taking on risk early in your career. Enjoy. All right, Solomon, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, So I was born in Ethiopia, moved to DC when I was six, uh, went to UVA undergrad, was pretty undecided, ended up going the undergrad business school path, uh, did an internship at JP Morgan in sales and trading. Uh, realized that wasn't really a fit for me. Uh, and then after that, found my way uh, into Lazar uh, doing a summer internship and then ended up uh, accepting a full-time offer to join the Power and Energy Group. Um, you know, a year in, like many analysts, realized banking isn't the long-term path for me. Uh, and at the same time, I didn't kind of want to recruit for the mega fun PE shops because a lot of them were only marketing power and energy opportunities. And I wanted to try something new. So began exploring startups uh, and venture funds serendipitously as I began that search. Tusk, uh, the firm I'm at, Tusk, I guess it's not much of a secret, yeah. uh, is, um, was uh, looking to uh, you know expand the team. I reached out to one of the partners, began a dialogue. It was a long-winded process, but joined uh, about three years ago, and I've been there ever since. Cool. So let's start all the way back, I guess, in Ethiopia. Like, uh, you, grew, you were there till you were six. Yeah. So kind of not, not a ton of memories there probably, but tell me a little bit. Yeah. About, you know. uh, not a ton, but uh, you know, when we moved over, it was me and my parents uh, spoken Amharic, uh, which stuck. Uh, and I'm super thankful for as a kid, my, I'd always say, why can't we just speak in English? And now I'm like, I'm so happy. Like I like have like a second language um, and I have two younger sisters and you can see with the uh, kind of age difference. One is 21 and the other is 13. So I'm kind of a native speaker. The younger one can speak, but will like interject English words here and there uh, when she gets flustered. And the youngest one just like understands what you says uh, what you say, but will uh, only respond in English. So it's kind of funny. Why are you so thankful that you can speak a second language now? Well, it's, you know, you can take a phone call in the middle of a room. No one knows what you're talking about. Like there's just a lot of like practical reasons why it actually works really well. Nice. Yeah. No, my mom uh, is from Colombia. She spoke a lot of Spanish when I was growing up and now I wish it was more. I'm like, why did you speak like hundred percent Spanish yeah. to me? Like what the hell? Well, as a kid, you're like, Oh, this is so much work. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, it's interesting. Um, 
Okay, so let's. So you kind of went to grew up in the DC area, um, and why did your family kind of move move from Ethiopia? Why did you guys come out here? Yeah, uh, so the U.S. has a, a like immigration program called a diversity visa that like allocates certain amount of visas per country. Um, just a lottery process. Uh, my dad just happened to apply that year, um, and we got it. And at the time, he had a, a small retail shop, uh, but was like, this is a great opportunity for, for me and my family. So kind of made the jump without much of a network, kind of like quintessential American dream. Um, and, and yeah, so we moved over. We had a few family members in the DC area. Um, if any listeners know the area, there, it's, there are a lot of just Eastern African uh, people there. Um, but, but yeah, that was the kind of the genesis of, of the move. Okay. And so you're there, you're growing up, you're going to, what was that transition like kind of through high school and stuff? Was it pretty easy for you to assimilate yeah. as you're speaking English already? Yeah. At that age, I think like you just make friends really quickly. You don't exactly. really overthink it. Um, yeah. yeah. And then in terms of like college and starting there, was it like, was finance always on the radar or was no, it something? definitely not. So my running joke with a lot of my friends is, um, Immigrant parents always look at careers in very tangible manners. So it's like, you're a doctor, you make people feel better, you're an engineer, I can see what you're building. So like growing up, I I thought I was going to be an engineer or a doctor, because that's what I was always told is like, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And actually, kind of going into UVA, I was going to go into e-school and then just realized like, this isn't really a fit for me. Uh, And then went to the kind of undergrad uh, College of Arts and Sciences why did you say it wasn't a fit for you? What do you think? Because I think uh, students, there's students in that same spot right yeah, now. I, I, I think I think it was more so my parents were really excited. Uh, they were like, you're really good at math. You should be an engineer. It makes a lot of sense. And I just didn't have that inherent passion. Uh, and I thought medicine might be more interesting. It also was a little more open-ended because you could be whatever major you really wanted to and then still pursue. Do the pre-med stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's pre-med the first year. And then, like, the terribly in chem, to be honest. So I was like, well, I don't know if this is, like, the, the right like path. Me. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've always been pretty open-minded, and I took, like, classes that I just thought were interesting. Um, and uh, coincidentally, uh, McIntyre, which is the undergrad business school, um, had a lot of general requirements that I fulfilled. And going into my second year, I was like, oh, I just really need to take accounting, and this is also an option. Uh, so I ended up doing that. Uh, I actually have one friend to thank who was like, just take accounting. Like, I think like a lot of people go to UVA because McIntyre is a great kind of program. Yeah. Go, going into it, I didn't really know what undergrad business school was. So I was like, uh, I'm probably just going to be like, you know, pre-med or engineer. So uh, kind of followed that. And then um, after my second year, uh, I did an internship uh, at JP Morgan doing sales and trading, which was a really quick pivot uh, because like, yeah, tell not, me how you landed that, that soft, sophomore summer. It was like yeah, early recruiting. And yeah. Stuff. So uh, JP Morgan has this program called launching leaders uh, just focused on getting um, underrepresented students into kind of either sales and trading or banking. Yeah. Uh, and I just kind of applied because I thought it was interesting. And I think they thought, my application was interesting because it was so all over the place. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I had a great summer there. Uh, I was uh, covering fixed income munis. Uh, sales and trading is a really interesting opportunity because if you're very markets oriented, 
you can just ask a lot of questions. It's a lot of shadowing. But if you're not like already deep into it, it is a tough internship because you're kind of watching someone else and asking a lot of questions. So um, overall, I took away a lot from that summer, but I, I was more interested in what uh, my friends that were on the bank banking side and kind of the experience they were getting. Were they telling you like stay away from sales and trading? No, not at all. Business. I, I, that actually didn't come up. I was just super green. Like looking back, yeah. I was probably a terrible intern. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I got along with everyone. Which uh, is expected as sophomores. I mean, sophomore yeah, summer, think, you're like a kid, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I had a lot, a lot of people understood like, yeah, like you're just getting into it. Like just take it as it comes and like, you know, next summer you'll have a little more direction in terms of like where, what did you feel like it didn't interest you because you just didn't have an inherent interest in like the stock market or like, were you trading on your own? Yeah. I I think if it was over my junior year summer, Mm -hmm. I would have been more interested because I just would have been a little more knowledgeable about it. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in an environment where I was surrounded by financial markets or kind of like, it wasn't really dinner table conversation. So I just kind of went in there and I was like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Uh, And at least with kind of banking, I I do think like the work streams are a little different. You get to like, you know, even if it's just doing like a logos page or whatever, like you can read about, you know, you can do make a PIB. It's just a little more tangible. So you feel more involved. Whereas on a trading floor, you just have to be like on and asking a lot of questions, which Mm -hmm. as a entry point into finance, having a little more background is probably uh that's interesting yeah i hadn't even thought of that yeah it's a little bit more like on you to ask the right questions and like be proactive versus like banking they're like hey go fix this slide yeah and (laughs) And you're like okay this is tangible i know what to do i'll print it out like i'll like check my work uh whereas it's like you know yeah why are why are we interested in like this new bond issuance from like missouri utilities i don't know so So that's so that leadership program, you come out of there, did they like give you an offer for the following summer too? Yeah. So, uh, and I'll be super honest. Uh, I didn't get a return offer. Okay. So, cause I was like, I was probably not great at this job in terms of at least going back to sales and trading. And I was like, Oh, it's probably a good idea to like leverage this into like, you know, I, I firmly believe that when you look at your career, like it's, it's almost more important to figure out what you don't like rather than chasing what you like. Cause I do think, you're just a little more focused. And I knew that like, you know, this wasn't the right career field I wanted to get into. I think banking will be interesting because it kind of checks a lot of the boxes that weren't there on the sales and trading side, at least in terms of a summer internship. Uh, So starting from scratch, uh, UVA has a great on-campus recruiting program. I also did a program called SEO um, and ended up at Lazard, uh, which was great because it was a generalist program. Uh, one of the things. Can you talk to me about SEO? We're working with SEO actually on a lot of our mentors. Just just for the people who aren't familiar on the call. Yeah. So SEO is a a really great program based here in New York uh, and they place uh, highly talented underrepresented students uh, with front office roles. It's not all investment banking. They do some sales and trading. They have a law program. Do they like uh, drill you on like mock interviews and stuff internally? Yeah. So that's probably why I did so much better at Lazard because I went through the SEO program. They had like a training program before the Lazard summer training program. And I came in like just much sharper and on top of, on top of everything. Whereas, you know, after my second year, I was like, I don't know which way is up. <laughs> uh, so definitely thankful for that. And then I got, you know, uh, a return offer uh, and Lazard is interesting because their return offers are just to the firm and not to a group. So 
you just accept the offer and then there's a placement process in the spring where you rank the groups or there's a networking event you rank your top groups they rank you and it's like a um, kind of like joining fraternity <laughs> it's a little bit uh, like a, a dance a rush. it's like rush yeah exactly uh, that's interesting i wonder like so you almost have to accept with the faith that you may get yeah, the exactly. right group that you want. So tell me how did you how did you get comfortable with that? And was there when they made you the offer after your junior summer to come back? Was it well actually before we even get there? Tell me a little bit about more about the summer. Was it like long hours? I assume Lazard is pretty notorious for for good yeah, deal flow, uh, good deal flow, but not the easiest place, right? So. Yeah, I do think Lazard does a great job on on the summer internship where no one feels too burnt out. Um, mm -hmm. I think like you'll probably work on, you know, one or two things that really test you. But I didn't know anyone that got worked really hard the entire summer. There were just kind of peaks. Yeah. Um, but and the the good thing is because it's a generalist program, you you have the ability to kind of take ownership and. If you didn't get any experience with TMT, you could go over there and ask if there's any work. Uh, and you have a little more control over your destiny, if you will. In terms How did of you like, think about that? How did you navigate that during that summer? Like, did you get on something you didn't like and were like, hey, get me more TMT? Like, was that on your mind? Yeah, um, kind of. I, I like, there were a good number of UVA people. So they I'm just, were kind of yeah, like. I'm just curious, like, because it's hard for me to remember back so long ago from when I was like, I didn't even have an internship. So I'm curious, like the thought process, how much of like your UVA classmates are like guiding you and like, okay, yeah, you want to be in, yeah, yeah, like, so, be in this group and not this other group, that type of thing. Yeah. So there was one in TMT, there was one in real estate, there was one in power and energy. Um, and there's one in healthcare. So mm -hmm. like all the kind of the big groups, there was someone I could kind of talk to, uh, so I was able to, I worked in healthcare, TMT, uh, and a little bit of FIG and power and energy. Uh, but I also sat with the power and energy team. Uh, and I think that was actually the biggest driver for me because I just enjoyed the people that were in the group. It was by far the most collegial and like laid back as far as Lazard goes. And I just felt really comfortable with, with the guys there. Um, and that was actually the the driving factor in terms of me ranking it pretty high. So I think my my top three were uh, TMT Healthcare and Power and Energy. I think Power and Energy might have been number two. Um, mm -hmm. But but yeah, uh, it kind of worked really well. Um, and it, my logic was, it's Lazard. You'll get good experience on the technical side regardless. And if you have to work long hours, you might as well work with long like work really hard with people that you already know and like uh, versus, you know, working on something you think is interesting, but like not enjoying kind of the company, if you will. Fair. So you sat with those guys during the summer and you felt comfortable. You coming out of the summer, you get the offer. They like, Hey, this is exploding in a week or what? No, they were, they were pretty good. Uh, they gave me like a month. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and, and I think part of it may have been UVA where they were like, you cannot like do hours if you want to like recruit, I guess. Um, and so what, yeah. what was the thought process around potentially shopping that and the, you know, where uh, you yeah, I, uh, to be honest, I didn't shop it at any other banks. Uh, I thought about, I like did like two interviews with consulting firms, um, uh, like McKinsey and Bain, uh, figured that like both options were good. Uh, but I, I just kind of knew that like, and this is still me on the traditional finance path is how I'll put it, where kind of 
the, uh, the people in front of me were like, you know, two years banking, two years PE, HBS or Stanford. And I was like, oh, that's what I need to do. So I was like, I think Lazard will really help me get into like a good private equity fund. Uh, and that's like a more, you know, so it's, it's a more traveled path, well-traveled path. So that was kind of- And so you were already kind of leaning banking. Yeah. And so, but you, but you wanted to kind of at least do the interviews with McKinsey and Bain. Yeah. Give it some thought. And I think like I'm the kind of person, like many listeners, I'm sure, like I like optionality and it's just like, I want to know, I have as much information as I, as I can possibly have before making a decision. Um, but, but yeah, ultimately went to Lazard. Um, I like the analyst class. Some of the like people in my group are still some of my closest friends in the city. Um, and I do think like some other larger banking programs, there isn't that level of camaraderie. I'm, you know, I'm like, how, three, big, four was years now. how big was it? Like 30 panelists? Yeah. So the whole class was 30. Uh, in oh, I got, of, it, I got um, it right on. Are you kidding? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. sorry. Uh, well, let me rephrase 30 in New York. Uh, yeah. 30 in New York. York. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there were six in my, in my group that I'm was much closer with but of course uh, yeah I just enjoyed that like that to me that was part of the experience in terms of like enjoying the people you work with getting close to them and you know because everyone I talked to that was seniors like yeah like I'm still really great friends with like my analyst mates and I'm like okay I guess that's like something to look out for yeah you go through it right you go through it together yeah the long hours it's kind of like you you're forced to be friends if you, even if you don't get along perfectly but so okay so you're kind of coming out of school that senior year you have the offer in hand you're you're basically like loving life right oh it was vacation yeah yeah, yeah. senior, senior was... year at UVA not bad I've been on yeah I've been on that campus it's gorgeous so it's yeah it was uh yeah it, it was uh unbelievable uh year because i was like i have my job like you know i'm pretty much done like school what about your parents were they like what do you what is this banking thing are you gonna be at a bank oh, teller what they so yes oh my god so wait this happened after second year though uh when i yeah. worked at when i told them i was going to jp morgan they knew jp morgan from its uh, retail banking and they're like oh like you're gonna be a banker like a bank teller like that doesn't i mean sure so the thing is they're always really supportive so they're like oh that's great but they were like but why? Like, like, what made you decide to do this? Uh, so, um, yeah, it was really funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of kids that are in the same boat where like everyone associates the retail arm. Yeah. And so, like Lazard, they're probably like Lazard. What's that? Right. Yeah. Gonna... Exactly. <laughs> okay, so you're you kind of have a great senior year. The parents are on board. You're, you're convincing them, and you're kind of approaching graduation what any any kind of last hurrahs before you started any trips or anything like that before yeah so i did a southeast asia trip uh nice. went to chile during during the year in the spring um and just really just like kind of enjoyed college without the stress because a lot of my friends who weren't in the business school mm -hmm. were either stressed out about applying to law school or med school or all this other stuff and I, the one thing I told myself was, okay, like you have it easy. You should totally take GMAT. That's like the one thing you should do. And I, and I didn't do it. I was yeah, like, oh, this is great. Uh, so, uh, it's hard yeah, senior year. I just, uh, I just think like Charlottesville senior year is, is, is a, it was a fun time. Definitely look back on it fondly. Cool. So, okay. So you're approaching graduation, you finish and then you do a little trip and you kind of get to the city and the training starts and what reality sinks in. What's the, what's it like during training? And then once you hit the desk, what's it like? Yeah. Um, 
training was still a lot of fun. Like yeah. same, I, with, same it, with us when we were in yeah, Russia. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's you know you have a lot of energy because you're in New York. You're like you're living in New York. You're you're getting paid, but like it's more or less a nine to five. Like it's it's super chill, um, and everyone's like ready to go drink every day. It, it's it's actually like quite exhausting from the social element, not so much the 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 training. Uh, and then we use training the street, so. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like kind of a, I guess after like, I think it was a three week program. We had like a presentation, uh, with the team where I think we were analyzing coach and Tiffany. I think everyone did that. Uh, okay. but, but yeah, overall it was good. I would say like coming in from, uh, McIntyre, I had some of the kind of finance already down and then having been there a summer. Um, but most of the learning occurs on the job. And I think, most were there people. any kids that came in from like a liberal arts background like me that were clueless, like didn't know any accounting and had to like, were drowning? Like yeah. Uh, or not many? Not, not many. I think like yeah. most of the people that came at Lazard, I, like, I think we're like, I want to say like, like one kids. There's probably some yeah. one kids. Yeah. So I, think, I also think like, like 95% of the class already summered. Uh, because it's New York was only 30. So yeah. I, I don't think anyone was completely caught off guard in terms of like what to expect. Cool. Okay. So you hit the desk. What's it like it's immediately long hours? They ease you in. What's the, yeah. What's the... Uh, yeah. I worked on this one deal uh, that like just kind of rocked my first three months. And I, I was actually like, Oh my God, like, is this going to be my life? Uh, ended up falling through. Uh, and it was also, in the renewable space, which I didn't really look at at all. Um, and it, it was just a lot. Thankfully, like the, the second year analyst was awesome. He was also a UVA guy. So we were already friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely helped guide me through that kind of three week period. Renewables but, meaning you had never done like a financials for. Yeah. Years. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. It was, You're like, uh, what val- is this? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was valuing like wind farms and like rolling them up. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. And the thing is the group was just building out that practice. So like there were like, there was like one person who really knew what they were talking about, but like everyone else was still trying to figure it out a little bit. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen a couple of those models and it's totally different. Yeah. It's uh, it was a cool experience, but like, it really added a lot more than just, Oh, this is long hours. It's like, Oh, it's long hours. And I don't really know what I'm, what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so you're there for like the first few months. It's, it's long hours, like 80 hours, 90 hours, hundred plus around there. Uh, yeah, it was probably in the, in the nineties, like a hundred. Yeah. Like for a, like a, maybe a two week period. It wasn't anything that was absolutely, like, you weren't, you weren't like, sleeping at the office. Yeah. Yet. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, but honestly that like, set me up where I was like, it kind of toughened me up pretty quickly. And then everything else was pretty good. I, I had some surges like, and stuff. Yeah, surges. But like, just having that that early, I was like, oh, okay, like, like, I'm not really phased anymore. <laughs> like, oh, you're like a 75 hour week. I'm good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Coasting. Yeah. So it was, it was a good experience. Uh, and the, the great thing is like, the culture of the group was exactly the same so like I was really happy to come back into it and everyone was it wasn't like business formal like you know Lazard's a French bank so like the consumer team is always like dressed suit and tie like yeah yeah, looking good yeah and then the power and energy guys were like just much more casual and low-key um still did great work but like it was just nice to be in in an environment where you're not always like on (laughs) 
like in terms of like are the offices still at rockefeller center area yeah uh 30 rock 30 rock yeah Yeah, we were at uh 1251 avenue in america so yeah i I was right next to you we were right next to there that was a long time ago though that was way before your time um Um, so cool so you're you're doing your two years uh pay is i assume what was it like 90 base 80 base something like that and then big bonus yeah yeah for sure it was 85 and then went 95 i want to say yes um yeah yeah um and then and then they gave us a signing bonus which was nice when for the for the interns um is that like 10 or 15 or something 15 yeah uh, which which i thought was 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 nice and helped move into new york um the broker's fees are expensive man yeah (laughs) i i was like what's going on i'm getting robbed (laughs) yeah uh and yeah, and bonus was pretty healthy, I would say, for the first year. Uh, I'm trying to even think. I think first year is maybe like 150, 150, 170 kind of range. All was, in, you're saying? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't know. I'm so it was, it was probably about the same size of the base. That's, I, I, that's yeah. great, man. That's huge. I, 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 yeah, I would say... Yeah, that sounds right. But it was, it was, it was slightly above market, but not like amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. Relative to so seven around yeah around seventy or whatever. Let's just say seventy to ninety, yeah. and then so then second year, it's, it, was it a big bump? Your second year, like a dramatic bump? Because I know my second year was a big bump. Really? No, it it was it was it wasn't as big as I anticipated, but I do think there was something going on with the group where it was like oh like yeah. bonuses are getting reworked. Uh, but okay, so whatever you're getting close to two hundred by that point. Yeah. So like you're two years out of school, you're. You're doing well, but tell me, like, after that first three months, were you thinking? At what point were you thinking, okay, private equity? You had said you had said private equity was kind of on on your mind. Yeah. Consulting. So was that something that I'm trying so, to think back in 2015? It probably kicked off in like February then, right? Yeah. Uh, people were getting coffee chats uh, in December. Oh my gosh! So it was early. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty early, and you kind of were reaching out to these headhunters, building a resume without much, which I always found was funny. It was like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and it, the problem with it was, and I'm actually really thankful it worked out this way, is kind of the way headhunters operate is like, the business is get someone hired and then get paid. So like, it's in their best interest to give you things they think you can get in terms of like, you did power and energy. You should look at all these like power and energy and midstream opportunities. I'm like, I don't really want that. And by like, by like kind of like February, I just fully realized that like, they're not going to be helpful in terms of like where I, where I was really headed, uh, which was great because then I like, tell me why no on power and energy and tell me why, because it was just too limited. You didn't want to kind of, yeah, I thought I yourself in that early. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to have a little more flexibility. Um, I was more interested in kind of other sectors. It was just a little too niche. And once you go super deep, it's not like that transferable. So I was like, I know I don't love this enough to like make my whole career around it. Yeah. Um, and, and what I was saying was like after February, I was like, okay, I'm going to take the pressure off myself and just like think about what I want and like where I want to go. And all these things are 18 months out anyway. So like, it's, it's a little, if you know, you don't want to do it, there's no point in like feeling I have to get a job just because my, my coworkers were getting jobs, which, mm-hmm. which would definitely factored in because everyone was getting offers. And I was like, Oh, am I like not doing this right? Or like, should I just like 
there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of doubt. Yeah. But what about about the idea of staying at banking? Would that ever cross your mind, or you were like, after the first few months, you're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, I realized I kind of wanted to get out of here. Part of it was like, you know, Lazard's a tough shop. I looked kind of like above, and I was like, you know, could I really see myself being like one of these people, and uh, not these people, but like have the lifestyle that they had? Yeah. Uh, And the answer was just no. Um, Yeah. I I didn't love the subject matter enough. didn't love my boss enough to like just kind of follow him. Um, so it actually made that decision a lot easier. Um, so kind of fast forward fall of second year, I was like, all right, time to like figure out what I want. And I realized that like, I think startups are pretty interesting. And funny enough, I've been in finance, but I never really explored venture capital up until this point. It was kind of this black box. Uh, and I was more so kind of reading TechCrunch and looking at all these startups. And I was like, oh, like I could definitely go work at an early stage startup or like venture seems interesting because their whole job is to like kind of find, find these interesting companies. Um, the thing is, I didn't want to leave New York because uh, my family is in DC and I, I, like, I like the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where luck really comes into play where uh, I was like, okay, I'll look at like interesting startup opportunities and as like, uh, you know, associate positions come up at venture funds, I'll like just start applying to them. Well, they don't come up that often. And like when they do, like it's very like network driven as I've learned. Uh, so I first reached out to all the UVA people uh, I knew that was, that were in venture. And then second, I just started. How did you, how did you do that? Just through LinkedIn? You just found it? Yeah. LinkedIn is like an amazing tool. Like yeah. I, I, I think like if you know how to use it intelligently, also, like, you just need to find the email format of the firm and you don't even have to, like, because I, I, I don't believe in LinkedIn messages because I think everyone is spammed by them. But if you're able to, like, like you could find my email and email me and you'd have a much higher likelihood. Than yeah, I mean, you could also, you get a decent, even if you're not able to use messages, once you're connected to a profile, you can see the email on there. Yeah. And then also in our company database, there are email formats in there. So, but yeah. we don't have, a, so you could even just look there. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was point is so you you were going emails direct were you using anything to like remind yourself and follow up if they didn't answer like a write-in um, box or a boomerang or any of those boomer, boomerang was clutch yeah, yeah. boomerang yeah. was a big one uh, i'd also all, all the listeners all yeah, the listeners for I always, networking use this. I, I also preset all my emails to send at like seven forty-five, so yeah. it'd be at top of the inbox uh nice. but i'd be writing them like after work at like you know 10 12 whatever right. uh and people would think i'm like up and at it and like trying to like get a job. Uh, you should have done six, you should have done <laughs> 645, man. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my fear was I, I wanted to catch them before a lot of the daily emails would go out. And I figured like that was a good time where either they were like commuting to work or like just checking first wave stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there's a science there. It's art science, like use whatever time kind of works for you, but use boomerang. It like makes your life a lot easier. Yeah. Boomerang or I use one called right inbox. It's great too. Um, same thing. Basically yeah. you can set reminders, automate it, auto, even automate follow-ups, send it, uh, schedule all emails, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like a light, it's, it's seriously a game changer. There's even templates you can put in there. Yeah. So like our whole process of like onboarding mentors, setting up the podcast. I don't know if we followed up with you, but like, that's all templated. So people are like, click, 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 change the name. Yep. Done. <laughs> like boom, 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 it sends it in and done instead of people like having a co- even copying and pasting takes a lot of time. Yeah. So it cuts all of that out. So, um, okay. So you are, you kind of reach out to UVA alum, 
you start chatting with some some people in venture they're like they're like hey man there's like no seats or like it, it comes up once a three yeah years. yeah it, it, they were just like i'll keep you in mind definitely like keep reaching out to people and my entry point was actually not through like the uva uh connection uh someone like a friend reached out to uh the, the girl who sat next to me being like hey there's this like new fund um uh, coming up like let me know if you're interested and she knew i was interested and she was like oh you should totally reach out to this person so uh got in front of it um try and it like the venture time cycle uh or recruiting cycle varies drastically based on fund size uh larger funds um if you're like for example like an nea or this is more growth but insight they have a cadence that they follow and like if you're able to get in on that, that's great. But I want to say like anything sub 150, it's just like 150 for the listeners, uh, 150 AUM, uh, assets under management. A, yeah. yeah. Um, or, or fund size. It could just be, uh, I'll just say uh, sub 150 fund sizes. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not super structured. So there's a lot of luck that goes into it. Anyway, uh, the firm I was at announced that they just did uh, a first close of fund one. I was like, Oh, congrats. It seems really interesting. Uh, got in front of the managing partner. It took about like eight emails, but finally got like a conversation. Um, and he was like, oh, like I'm not looking to hire immediately, but I will. So like keep in touch. And I like kept in touch. And I think and th this is probably like one of the things uh, where over eagerness may hurt you, where it's like, you got to have like the right EQ of what the right cadence is of following up. Cause there's a fine line of just being really annoying totally, and, and being really motivated. Uh, and for me, that was like, kind of like once a, once a month, once every six weeks. How did you know that? How did you develop that EQ to even know that? Because of the other side where other people would reach out to me about like, Oh, we'd love to hear about your experience. And I was like, this is like really exhausting. Like I, you're on my radar. Like I know, like, when this comes out, every two I weeks, you're like, "Hey, how about now? Hey, how yeah. about now?" You're like, "Oh my yeah. gosh!" And yeah. and I think like that's a really big part of venture because like, I mean, a big part of it is like talking to founders, getting them to like you, mm. getting access to a deal, and that no one really talks about. I used to hate the word EQ because I used to think it was like BSC, and of course everyone knows how to talk to people, but that's not true. Like some yeah. people are just kind of like better at it than others, yeah. uh, and that's part of kind of your sell as a candidate is like look, I got in front of you. I was persistent. And people have this false notion of venture being like shark tank where you're just sitting there and people come in and all the great ideas are like coming to your front door. And that's just not how it happens. So on really great deals, you have to like find your way in getting an allocation, uh, whether, you know, it's using a VC contact to get you into like the syndicate or like reaching out cold to the founder. Cause you know, they're about to raise and you heard that through someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, so that level of, that's almost part of the interview process. Cause if you're hiring, you're like, oh, okay, this person gets it. Like, I think like you could. So six weeks even surprised me. It sounds like a little, that's pretty frequent. I mean, how, how long did you have before you were done with your second year? And do you know, like, Hey, I want to be out yeah, by year so two. The first I like connected officially in January. My second year program was ending in June. Oh, so, so it was knew, six months before your, your. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And so I like, I was. I got to the point where I was like comfortable, like if I didn't have anything lined up, it was fine. I knew I could like get a job. Like I, I would, I would be able to get a job and pay my bills, but I didn't want to just take a job just cause out of the fear of it. Um, 
Why and, did you say you can get any? You could get a job. Could you have stayed? Sorry, uh, Zardo so, third year. Yeah, I, I could have, but knowing myself, I was like, this is how you like kind of fall into the slippery slope of not like do it. Like you're you're making decisions out of like fear as opposed to like I'm genuinely interested and I'm confident that like if I if I'm persistent enough, this will work. Yeah. And to some extent, that is kind of what venture is, right? It's like placing a bet, being contrarian, being like, I think this will work and kind of running with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I didn't have to figure all that out because it worked out really well uh, and began like a formal interview process in like uh, late February, March, where they were like, oh, we're looking to bring someone on. It involved like probably like five interviews and a case study. Uh, I pitched a like esports company called GenBid which who I think just raised a series C actually. Um, mm-hmm. So like, uh, and my logic there was actually, I know like everyone's going to pitch something, something that's always in the media. And, you know, five years ago, esports wasn't a popular thing yet. And I, I played a lot of Halo growing up. And Perfect. I was like, oh, like this is totally a great idea. Like I think it makes sense. Uh, and the partner didn't really believe it but he liked that like I went deep on a space that he didn't think about I showed that like you know the underlying numbers are really strong in terms of like engagement what the what the average like kind of user looks like and I think that's what really got me the job uh in addition to like answering a lot of like behavioral questions what, what made you think what made you think of doing that esports thing I know you said you p- played Halo but was there some other was there something uh, like I gotta, I gotta come at this at a slightly yeah, different angle was there yeah. that in your thought process and then why that company like how did you even source that idea yeah uh so from a sector perspective I definitely read an article about esports mm-hmm. um and you thought hmm that's life yeah, went off and you said like, oh that's interesting most people kind of glance by it because it was like oh sure people playing video games that's not real don't and people I just, pay to watch other people play? Yeah, games? if you if you look at like Twitch figures, the average session's like ninety minutes. Like people are on it for a while. Uh, so, so I, I like looked up all those numbers, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I wanted to have an infrastructure style bet because, like, I knew that although I liked it, like pitching it to an investor. You don't want to go like application layer where it's like so focused that you're like, this is the one thing that's going to like really work. And like a specific league or a specific Yeah, or a specific, uh, yeah, a specific game or publisher where you're like, this is also keep in mind, these are startups. So at the time, this was a series seed company. So like, it'd be like a very narrow bet of being like, this is the greatest thing ever. And my yeah. logic was, this is already niche. I think like no one's really going to be talking about this space. And it might, you might as well kind of go infrastructure approach where their business was basically enhancing the audience experience. So if you think about how streaming works now, it's, it's very like two dimensional where the, the screen you're watching is just a, a mirror of like the person playing and there's no like dynamic viewing or anything like that. And what Genvid did uh, or does is they allowed you to like, they, they, kind of paired with the publisher so that you had the ability to control camera angles, follow a specific player. Hmm. So like enhance, so like it's kind of like theater mode and how Halo or all these games now where like you're kind of like, oh, like I can like look at this specific part of the map. And it was kind of geared to the more high frequency user, not necessarily full fully competitive. Um, but anyway, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like you should totally look at it. Uh, 
didn't really like believe in esports, but like the fact that I like had like logic behind my invest, like my investment thesis was grounded. It was like if you believe, did they, this, but they then- push you. Did they push you on like the financials? How is this ever going to make money? Um, not not really. I mean, it was this seed stage company, and like kind of like they're basically like making money off the publishers and publishers want this because they'll see more streaming and like yep. they'll kind of improve their 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 reach uh but it wasn't too hard on that it was more so like i mean at the seed stage part of it is also like how big is this market like, did they did they do a lot of seed or they were they interested in seed? yeah yeah so, so, it, was, so it was the right it was the right stage yeah okay yeah uh, and the market was big and they understood that and kind of there was a, a clear path to how they could be profitable but unlike a a private equity interview no one's going to be asking you super hard technical questions it's more like do you understand kind of do you have a, a really good thesis about like how customer preferences are changing and this is specific they didn't make you build an lbo they didn't make you yeah build- no, just it, would be, it would have been funny right like you're like yeah i made up all these figures uh so so yeah it was an interesting it was an that, that company experience. is now doing a series c or they just did a series c yeah so they're doing well I mean, they're growing. I, I haven't looked at the revenue figures now. Yeah. Now they, they, sh- they should make a lot more money. But That's interesting. I think uh, Gary B, didn't he have an investment in like one of these like Minnesota esports or something? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's pretty big topic now uh, in terms of either owning sports teams or... I wonder, I wonder, how much are those franchises worth right now? Do you know? Uh... I know that I know it's in the billions of dollars for the big uh, franchises for like NFL franchises and yeah, I, I think is it like a couple million dollars for those? No, or is it- no, I, I actually think someone bought a team for like close to a hundred. So like oh, it's wow. not nothing. Okay. I, I would probably say some of these teams are valued more than like some like WNBA or like <laughs> yeah. teams that are okay. like smaller and not yeah, now. smaller markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just a little tangent there. I just find I, I think it's pretty interesting. Okay, so you're you're kind of making you're you're doing this interview process you have the the several rounds five like very unstructured did they yeah. were they giving you kind of indications that you were doing well or were they did they kind of did it take like three months or what was the deal uh yeah it probably took about three months maybe a little over uh i mean i got the offer in mid-may so like we're talking you had no time a month yeah so what, what like, was going through your head like what if i don't i was getting this? nervous where i was like i was i was looking at startups where i knew like i would just come in uh either as a, a growth person or or someone who was just doing more biz dev and i was like that could be like something i do that like kind of will give me some experience and hopefully we'll be able to pivot over. So I had some other leads that were like pretty Tell me about off. how you looked at those and why growth and why, uh, and what types of startups at what stage you were looking at to kind of hold you over to potentially. Yeah, um, all, like, was the pay like 80K based and just basically like minimal bonus with some options? Yeah, uh, I, I ended up getting one offer. Uh, it was, I think it was actually pretty good for a startup. It, it was 125 base, wow. but like no real, no real bonus. And yeah. because I was, I was coming in mainly on the, I work under the CFO. So it would be a very finance oriented role, which made sense. Um, everything else was kind of all over. I would say like, yeah, you're probably looking at 85 to hundred being like kind of the average uh, yeah. salary. Um, but the reason I ended up, well, I got the offer, but like, and chances are, if I didn't get the offer, I probably would have just accepted that job just because I didn't want to 
knowing me, I say I would have been okay with the risk, but I probably wouldn't have. Of like not having a gig and just yeah. stopping? Yeah, because I, I think it was, it, it would have been enough of a bridge where I like kind of am transitioning into a different ecosystem and then I could mm-hmm. continue looking at, uh, you know, VC opportunities and stuff like that. Got it. So you're coming up in your second year. You get did did they know you were leaving? Did you tell them what was the Yeah, yeah. So I I told them uh, you know, I got I got a job at this fund. Um and it's funny, no one really no, I don't think anyone in the firm or not the firm, at least that group, went the the venture route. I think it was always like, I'm gonna go yeah. to a hedge fund or a P. Yeah. Uh, actually some people went corp dev uh, at like Fortune one hundred companies. Mm-hmm. Um but they're like, oh, and venture is really interesting because especially now there's, uh, there are a ton of seed funds, a lot of money out there. Uh, and you generally don't know about a lot of these, especially if you're coming in from uh, a, uh, a investment, uh, like from an investment banking perspective. Sorry, I got distracted. No um, so they were like, oh, I've never heard of it. Like, what are they in? And, you know, at the time, like it was still a new fund. So there weren't any like marquee names. Uh, and this, this is actually my advice to a lot of people where if you're thinking about joining a firm that doesn't have, like, don't be so worried about name recognition, especially if you're coming from banking or like, let's just talk about just my experience at like, I think Lazard checked enough boxes where, okay, this person's smart, this person works hard, they can get a good job. But I do feel like herd mentality is so strong that often you go take a job just because you feel like socially it'll be better acknowledged than something different. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you now that I've, I going to the shop that, you know, wasn't a billion in AUM or whatever. I know like 10 times more about venture, both, both from a like legal term sheet, like understanding just because you're solely working with a managing partner that like, is like, Hey, you need to do this versus a distributed team that's like you know four layers where you're only really making landscape pages and like and you'll be huge it, legal team yeah, taking care yeah, of it it, for it's, you. it's 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 uh you're drinking from a fire hose but if your end goal is like i want to like raise my own funds like ultimately like it's either you're going to learn that really early by taking a risk on a firm that's new or you just have to kind of go through the the longer path of being at like an established manager and until like you're like you know, a junior partner, you're not really going to be looking at the LPA or like, you know, what, you know, MFNs are and a lot of the other stuff that like, I think people- Tell me what, what's LPA and MFN, what's that? Oh, uh, it's a limited partnership agreement. Okay. So yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and MFN is most favored nation. So when you're raising a new fund, like you're kind of working with your anchor investor. And I do think my experience was probably like a little, uh, closer to the fire than most people where even if they're at a, a new fund, they'll were you the only it. associate brought on for, and there's two. Yeah. Partners. So, yeah. So it, it was, it was, uh, it was one of those things where the partner was just like, Hey, like, you know, you're smart. You can hold your own in a room. I need you to come with me to this LP meeting. And I was like, Oh, and LP stands for a limited partner. So it's yep. one of our investors yep. handled my own really well. And he's like, Oh great. Like you should like actually be more involved in this. I can use some help. And that escalate, and that was about four months into the job, and helped raise our second fund. Got like super involved in that, uh, and I think like opportunities like that are only available if you take the risk of like obviously going to 
a smaller but higher growth place. It's exactly like you would with venture. Like, it's funny that someone whose job is to like find diamonds in the rough or like, you know, take really high conviction bets only wants to go to the blue chip name. It kind of like doesn't, doesn't really tie. Doesn't jive. Yeah. It's not a startup. It's not a yeah. startup venture. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So, okay. sounds like you got a really great experience and you um, were promoted uh, pretty fast, actually. Um, just tell me a little bit about, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That was solely because of how close I was to, to the parties. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about like, what your day-to-day is like. So is it like, how much are you on calls with founders sourcing versus, you know, actually trying to close deals, dealing with lawyer, you know, looking yeah. at agreements? Um, I would say it's probably split like a third uh, sourcing, taking the first meeting and bubbling up what's interesting, a third diligence uh, and putting together the investment memo. It was interesting at the early stage side, most people, their investment memos are in word and it's more of a narrative versus like a pitch deck, which took some adjusting, but I actually like it more because you kind of tell a story. Like it, it kind of ties a lot. Uh, it's just a little cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last third is like the infamous other bucket, which includes like some fundraising stuff, some like random operational thing. Cause it's a lean team and you know, like, make sure this capital call goes out, work with our third party administrator, stuff like that. Uh, And and those are like kind of the the three streams. And some days it's all sourcing, it's all diligence, or it's Mm -hmm. all kind of like fundraising other. Um, But that's how in the long run it'd probably like uh, break out. Got it. And so what about like workflow and like hours and stuff like that? I assume that it wasn't honestly like, it's good. Like compared to banking, like (laughs) it's like you worked a 70 hour week and you're like, Oh, that was a hard week. (laughs) If if anything, I probably should have like adjusted to the new norm faster and not been like, Oh wow. Like this is so great. Like I'm not working like 90 hours a week. And you know, you get into the office at nine, leave at five or six. Like no one's like, there's no real FaceTime and, VC is a kind of people oriented business. So like oftentimes you're not in the office cause you're meeting someone at their office or grabbing coffee or whatever. Right. Uh, and it was just really refreshing to have that kind of autonomy where, you know, people trusted that you do work and there was no need to be glued by your, by your desk. Um, mm-hmm. So um, lifestyle Any- is, is a big perk. <laughs> So people who want to follow in your footsteps, any advice besides like just start networking early within the venture community yeah. for any analysts um, trying to make the start, same? Start, start early in terms, I wish there, I knew of a little, like a lot of the resources that are available. So like John Gannon is, uh, is a guy that posts a lot of venture jobs around the country. I would just like subscribe and check it frequently and keep applying mm-hmm. uh, because it's just a slower process. It's not like I want a job. I'm going to get one in like a few months. Uh, it could happen that way. You know, it could take. Yeah, even year. even check WSO. We do occasionally have a venture gig come up through yeah, our, yeah. our network and, and, and our job stuff. So yeah, and and I think uh, a bigger part is just like begin cultivating the relationships that you already have, whether it's through work or people that were at were previously at your firm, uh, and just kind of build that out a little more. Um, because ultimately, you hear the most uh, the most interesting jobs come through the grapevine and not necessarily like a formal post. I do think VCs are being more transparent now, um, but still they have their own pipeline of ta- like people they're looking at closely because they, you know, 
I've told them you should totally like referrals and stuff. Yeah. yeah, Watch out. Like Bob's looking for something new. Like he's great. And it's just how it works where he'll get an interview and look, be looked upon really favorably. And like, if you just apply cold, like you got to work harder, you got to have some kind of, some kind of in, and there aren't that many jobs. So it makes it a little, that adds to it. Any advice around the specifics? So you mentioned a case earlier, any specific advice? I know you said kind of don't make it so mainstream. Yeah. That's good advice. But any, any other advice around specifically how to structure it, how to make it look like an interesting idea? Like, did you drive all the way into like the unit economics, all that good stuff? Yeah, I would say uh, if it is at like kind of the series A or B, like that is definitely something you should look at. Um, but like, and I didn't do it this way, but looking back, like if I did it as a narrative, it probably would have been better. Uh, just because this early on, there aren't enough data points to make like, a great presentation. It, it just comes up a little choppy versus like if you just did a two page memo on like, this is why this is a good investment. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other part I did not do was kind of the financial side of it, which was kind of like underwriting it to the deal. And if it's looking at like a series C company, just like do the simple math of like, yeah, you know, you're getting 20% ownership here, like for this to return the fund, it only needs to get acquired at like $500 million. Uh, and you know, we've seen a lot of exits in this space for kind of this amount. And I think that route, that really ties a bow around it. And I think a lot of people don't do that piece, which shows that like you're an investor and not just like, Oh, I think this idea is cool. Got it. Yeah. Almost like wh where's the exit here? Yeah. Um, and I think at the seed stage, you kind of have to just tie it to market size and like what you've seen, there's no like financial math you can do to be like, <laughs> this is how much it's worth. Fair. Okay. Anything else before we call it? This has been great. Um, anything else you'd like to share with the younger listeners before, uh, before the pod ends? Like advice or thing, looking back yeah. on your path? Uh, what yeah, you looking, look, yeah, looking back, just uh, step a little a step further back and don't be so worried about like kind of that whole name brand thing. I, I, I honestly, especially if you kind of look at all the firms you do want to work at, chances are like, you know, you need to be somewhat contrary and have that kind of bullish attitude and kind of your ability to like drive value uh, and not necessarily look for the validation of just the logo of like, I think these are all great places. Like you should go work at a really big successful fund, but ultimately I think like the real success and money comes in from taking the bet no one wanted to take and making it work. Uh, and I think like most people realize that I would say like, later in their 20s when they enter their 30s and are like, I, I'm going to spin you know, out. I 100% agree with you, man. I mean, look what I did. Yeah. Like, I and had a PE gig. I had gone back to PE probably after Wharton, but I already had this little thing growing with yeah. Wall Street Oasis. And it's like, why wouldn't I just focus yeah. on that? And it's like an upside's uncapped and I don't have to do all the politics. I'm free. I can travel. Yeah. And, you're, and you're like, just ask yourself, like, what I'm doing is I'm just kind of betting on myself and knowing that like, these are the three things I want to get out of it. If I can yeah. do that, that's great. And if not, I know I'm like, I have this skill set and I've built the experience so far to really like reset, whether that's business school, go back to the banking. And I just think people don't do that early enough. Like, I think like after Especially doing that, Especially bankers, man, it, I think it's because you're, you're kind of like groomed in this like herd mentality, high pressure cooker environment where you feel like, you know, you've always been competing with these peers and, 
you everyone's been fixated on the same goal and you just get tunnel vision and you lose out on like well like look at what you yeah, could be doing i see that i do, i've been seeing a lot more though of kids who've gone to banking they've done the pe at the mega fund but then yeah. they're like that's enough like they go try to do yeah. a search fund i've been seeing a ton of search fund search on this i'm running a search fund yeah, yeah, yeah how much of that do you think is like because they just like didn't want to do the mega fund anymore and they actually are looking they want to be more entrepreneurial versus like they were pushed out and they didn't want to go to business school. Like I often am thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I, I think the, the harsh reality is uh, a lot of the people I knew that did kind of two years banking, two years mega fund, like coming back to the mega fund is also hard. Like they, there is like, you know, capital scales really well and they don't need to hire a bunch of people just because they're raising another $20 billion. <laughs> and also like once you're senior, like as long as things don't blow up, that's like a cushy job. You can kind of like sail off and you know, are they going to bring on a ton more partners? Yeah. In yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's why like you see a lot of spin outs. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I made, you know, I, you're, you're a principal at like Apollo or whatever. You're not really getting, you don't see the next five years you getting to that stage and you're like, well, I'm going to just go do a search fund or I'm going to like take one of my colleagues and try to like do my own thing. And a lot of successful funds have been created that way. But again, it's kind of you betting on yourself and not necessarily, you know, removing yourself from the rat race more or less. I think that's hard. It's, it's especially hard if you wait super long. I think you, I think yeah. you're thinking about it the right way, taking the big swings early. Um, yeah. Because if you fall down, you don't have a family, or at least I don't think you do. Exactly. Have a family. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Now it's like, Oh, I failed. And thankfully like, you know, I didn't have any debt after graduating under undergrad. So like, you really like don't have that much. You don't have many excuses. And the longer you wait, you're like, Oh, one day I'll do this. And it's like, yeah, you know, you gotta do yeah, it I now. think it's good. I think the banking, it also the banking, I would call it the banking boot camp. The two years is good for you. I think cause it, it yeah. kind of resets your perspective on what hard work is too. And for so sure. then like, like if you want to go of like professionalism, I do yeah, think like no absolutely. one, no one thinks about that where it's like, you just know how to like conduct yourself in an office and in a meeting Granted, like banking doesn't do a good job of like getting junior people engaged. And that's part of the issue of the hierarchy. But at the same time, like, you know how to read a room, you know, like what's going on, you know, the numbers. And I think mm -hmm. uh, people don't give that enough, enough credit. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know based on like the searches we run, there's everyone wants that experienced analyst that like one year in like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that isn't super expensive yet, but has like the chops, they, they can exactly. do the modeling and all that. That's it's like, like very coachable. It's like, okay, I have like something I can work with. Yeah. It's interesting. But yeah. So um, yeah. Kudos to you for, for not chasing the brand and the prestige and the, and going for swinging. It sounds like you've had an awesome experience and I got a ton of um, exposure early to doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, uh, you know, I will say hindsight 2020 in the moment at some point. I was like, wow, like I didn't really think I was going to be doing all this. Like I kind of want to just focus on deals. And now I'm like, Oh wow. Like that was great. Like I'm really happy that that kind of worked out. Um, so are you like, able to share anything on pay at all? Um, just ranges? Like, is it, yeah, it was will, obviously a pay cut I assume from, yeah. Uh, I would say like venture expected pay cut unless you're at like a really big fund that's yeah. doing more growth oriented stuff. Like an, value, NEA, like an NEA might be a pay increase, but, uh, but a, any sort of, uh, it depends what bank I would say probably flat, like okay. at best, if you're at like a top paying bank. Um, okay. But the value of venture is more the, the network and access to all the people. 
-hmm. and you should be able to monetize on that. Like the two years of mispay, I don't think are worth like, you know, I'm very close with the CEOs in our portfolio. I know like other investors and like you, you got it. You kind of get what you put in, but you can get a lot because like Mm -hmm. shops are lean. uh, You're working closely on deals. And you know, if you're at it, like a bank, like you don't really have any relationships in venture. Like you actually can cultivate meaningful relationships. Yeah. I think that's, there's something to be said for that, but tell me a little bit about what your thought process is in terms of now that we're on this topic and you talked about like, what you can get in and taking the lower pay at, you know, going to the smaller place. Tell me what your thought process is in terms of there being so much money chasing like in on the seed in the series A, like, do you feel like, does that scare you? Like our valuation is so crazy and people are just getting money thrown at them or now with COVID it's uh, more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now it's more interesting. I'd say seed valuations have come down a lot. Uh, obviously. And like, it's interesting that the really good companies are getting funded and they're not like, it's like, we know this is a good company. We just need ownership. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, these horizontal venture strategies are the ones that are really interesting now. And by that, I mean, uh, you have like a light speed that has an early stage fund, a growth fund and an opportunities fund. So like mm. it, their goal to make money is like, I'm, I want to put in like $40 million when this thing is like at the series C, what is like a $1 million C check it's nothing. to me? It's optionality, but I, now I have like an inside track on this company right. and you get into this like interesting AUM game of like, I just need to keep growing this fund. And, you know, if you're a senior partner, like, you know, you make a lot on fees. So, so yeah, I see you're saying, um, do you think the horizontal strategy of like the places it, it, that are just doing seeds are a little bit of a disadvantage because you're not able to do the huge follow-ons potentially? On yeah, I, I think, I think. I think some founders though understand that and they understand it's an optionality check. And I think what I tell founders is like, when you're thinking about round composition, like just ask yourself how much skin do they have in the game and how important are you to them? And that's generally aligned with like how much they value you. Obviously like a check from Lightspeed or NEA is great. They have really deep pockets. They can backstop you. But at the same time, it's not like you're going to get a general partner working hand in hand with you until you like, kind of reach scale and they're like, Oh, now you have my interest versus like rather leaner. Uh, if you're choosing kind of like a newer fund, uh, that is like a hundred million dollars and they're putting, you know, $3 million. How does venture think about companies that get the seed? Like, let's say it was a wall street. If I had, if I had taken venture funding earlier, let's say, um, for whatever reason, cause I sold some sort of dream of, Hey, we're going to explode this. Um, but we didn't. And it grew, you know, let's say five years down the road, it's, it's doubled in size. It's, what do they call it? Like the sleeping, whatever, like the, the shadow, it's, it's definitely not a home run. It's in that middle range. It's not a loss. What, what oh, a lot, where you're just kind of making money, but there's no like immediate exit. It's just yeah. called a lifestyle business. And at that point, yeah. like ventures, venture like if as a fund they want, don't they want out though eventually yeah what happens is like they'll try to get something on the secondary, secondary. or if you're if you're a cheeky founder you'll be like i'll buy you out for like you know 20 cents on the dollar and they need to return that capital so if it's not a liquid name you, you basically buy your company for really cheap well maybe i should do uh, that no just kidding yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it is interesting i think founders need to Cause I've always yeah. thought, I've always thought to myself, there is an opportunity for some tuck-ins, but it's so, it's too small for most places to care. Like, Honestly, like if you have a nice business and like, no, you're I don't not mess with it. In, 
yeah. if you're not interested in growing at a really rapid clip and selling, like yeah. you're just going to lead into a contentious relationship. Cause like totally. Totally. the venture businesses, I'm raising capital from LPs. I have a 10 year fun life. I have maybe a two year extension like, on that. Like let's like, go. Yeah, it's like I need, I'm here to make money so I can like raise my next fund. Uh, and, you know, you, there are challenges in the business where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's year seven, I need to return capital. I maybe have seen is- some venture structure, maybe they don't call themselves venture funds, but like it's more of a lifestyle type thing where they're looking to acquire for like a 15, 20 year. It's like a family office and yeah. they're looking just for a cash flow business. Yeah, I, th- I think we're yeah. definitely seeing the rise of like investment company, holding company style where it's like, yeah. And I think that kind of ties into like the search fund idea where people are like, there are a lot of like holes here where it's too small for a big, you know, not a big, but a middle market shop totally. ventures, not interested, but like, you know, a lot of family offices I think are, are kind of playing around that space. Yeah. It's interesting. You can get a 20, 30% return on your money. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, great. Well, Solomon, any other, any other words of wisdom? Sorry, I kind of like uh, kept you on for longer. I thought it was yeah, just interesting. No, kind of, yeah, yeah, no, I uh, really enjoyed the, the conversation. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of my high level. Uh, it's, 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 it's really- <laughs> Your guidance, uh, your wisdom to young chefs yeah, out there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, don't, don't uh, start early is all, just start early. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Have a good night. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.